and welcome to the I Am Enough podcast. Another fantastic episode, another fantastic, brilliant leader on the show, Shashi. Now, I'm super excited to have Shashi on the show because honestly speaking, she's a big role model of mine. I've learned over the years so much from observing and witnessing her journey. And Shashi is a world-class leader if it comes to Tantra and Tao. She's been teaching in this field for 20 years. She is a filmmaker and author and her mission is to bring Tantra to the rest of the world. And in this episode, she's sharing more about her personal story and I fucking love it because it's coming from this, let's say, structural Buddhist ex-army lifestyle, being an academic and transitioning to this belly dancing, open wild tantric facilitator feminine embodiment. And it's super fascinating. And in the episode, we dive deep into what is uh, spirituality and sexuality, where is the split. Uh, we explore the masculine and feminine qualities in ourselves, but society. And we speak about true self-love. What is it really? How, how can you really love yourself? And what is commitment to love in relationships to others and yourself? So you can see there are so many beautiful gold nuggets and I'm very excited to share this episode with you. So tune in, listen, watch, enjoy sex, love and consciousness. Welcome to the I Am Enough podcast. I'm your host, Alisa Erasina. And I invite you on a journey of remembering who we really are. Human, perfectly imperfect, powerful and always interconnected. One earth, one humanity and one love. You are enough. Always were and always will be. So shall we play? And we are live. Hello and welcome everyone to another fantastic episode of the I Am Enough podcast. And as usual, I have a fantastic and beautiful guest here on the show, Shashi. And Shashi will have the time to introduce her magnificent self in a moment. But um, I always like to share a bit how I got to know the other person or what's the small little uh, connection point. And on my journey um, to a discovering tantra and and um uh, conscious sexuality obviously shashi popped up because she's one of the uh, leading figures um experienced over 20 years in this field and you're an author you created uh, what was the name of your book tantra made easy um filmmaker of sex to spirits um you're a um, tantric facilitator you have worked with couples women and um in the Tao Dantric arts. So you're kind of the, the um, cornerstone that I found. And um, you uh, have um, been hosting this beautiful uh, training for women, Tao Dantric arts, I believe. And I considered multiple types of joining. And this was basically the first interaction point. And since then, since then I've just continued following your journey. And um, <laughs> you never disappointed me in your light and your magnificent beauty. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you here about, because I know sexuality and uh, the, the topic tantra is such a profound important topic in our society and it's just an honor to have you here on the show and to share your wisdom and i will just give you the floor <laughs> to introduce who you are bound with the question what um what was your i'm not enough story that you have been telling yourself or even maybe tell yourself right now welcome to the show 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hosting such an important topic. I had such a resonance when I saw it, like, wow, that's, everybody needs to hear that. Um, and especially us women. Uh, I, I think you've given enough introduction to me, like a, a more personal introduction would be maybe that I, um, I left the system when 20, more than 20 years ago, I went to India on a kind of spiritual journey and uh, I never came back. Um, so <laughs> I've had a, a, a journey really dedicated to asking big questions in life. It started with the question, what is truth? Um, and that took me into, you know, with a lot of enlightened gurus and this and that. But later it became much more about love and um, and, the mean, and creating a meaningful life. Um, so the, the embodiment of that truth, if you like. So that's uh, a less professional <laughs> point of view on my journey. And yes, along the way, I've made movies and written books. So, um, so that's been me. I, I see myself as a quester, I ask. Not questions, mm. but quests of life. And I love this quest of, um, you know, am I good enough? And, you know, I, when, when I saw your whole podcast, I was like, oh, what a good question. I have to, you know, think back to, you know, when, what, what that was for me and what kind of topics came up. And as I did that, I was having a lovely long walk in the woods here. And, and I thought, it's a paradox for me because I, I carried the belief I'm not enough and I carried the belief I'm too much. It's like both of those were there. I definitely got a lot of message that I'm too much, too much energy, too much passion. I remember being told by by my mom and my family like that I, that you're just too passionate to, to you know like I felt like what am I doing being born in an English body this is not I should have been Italian or Brazilian you know <laughs> this is I, I felt a lot of too much but of course it's just the flip side of the coin of you're not good enough it's like you're not enough and you're too much it's like you can't win you're you're just you know you're never right the way that you are. And of course, I've also known the feeling of, um, of you're not enough of feeling. And I have that, I think, particularly around being a woman because I grew up in a world that gave the message that, that, um, femininity isn't enough, that, that the masculine qualities were better in the world and got rewarded. So I, I got a big message that was like singing and dancing and playing guitar is not enough. And it's not enough to just be like that. You need to study maths and physics and whatever. So I, you know, I reached a point when I was uh, 17, I was at a boys boarding school. I was studying maths and physics and economics. Wow. I had yeah. no idea about that. No, you knew when you see me belly Beautiful. dancing around now, you wouldn't believe it. But <laughs> And I was in the army. Get that? No way. <laughs> I did army training. Wow. And, and I, yeah. And I, I think in a way I was trying to prove myself in the world because I felt I'm not good enough. Like to just, you know, to be, to be just singing and dancing isn't good enough and you need to prove yourself in the world. So I really pushed myself into a model that didn't really fit. And so later when, and then even spiritually, I became a Buddhist and I did a very dry, masculine, hardcore hours and hours of meditation path. <laughs> and it was only like when I was 20 and I got to the Osho Ashram in Pune that I remember doing a meditation where we had to look in each other's eyes and sing, in your eyes shines a light, wonder of God in you. And I remember the song, right? Because as I held each other's, as I held people's hearts and looked in their eyes and sang, my floodgates just cracked open and I started to 
to cry like unbelievably like all this dry stiff academic buddhist you know masculine protection that i had developed just fell apart and uh and the feminine part of me came back <laughs> so that's why i chose tantra i was like pivotal moment in my life so i you know i think i think it's an ongoing experience but i do think there's a masculine feminine component to it and i don't just mean men and women i mean that there's a kind of masculine system that is always making you strive to be better and it needs to be balanced with a more feminine approach of i love myself exactly as i am and i feel every human being in whatever a male female body um whatever you identify as every human being has to come to terms with, <laughs> with this inner conflict between the desire to expand and make ourselves better but that has to be deeply rooted in a sense of happiness and basically what I would call self-love. Otherwise, we're always running away from ourselves, and it never ends. That's quite an introduction or quite a mic drop. <laughs> and there are so many beautiful um, uh, insights that, first of all, I had no idea, uh, but also <laughs> a lot of truths there. And... Um, what you said, like there are many things that have resonated with me, but specifically um, this, um, this feeling that you need to succeed and there is only one way of succeeding in this masculine pillar. Um, a question that I ask myself very often, um, I know we have built a society which is maybe a bit, or economics which is maybe more masculine driven and, and our definition of success is very much bound to, to outcome and, and um, to what we create basically. And mm -hmm. I get to know also a lot of women who have this, and I know it because I have it myself, but obviously we're reflecting each other, um, that being feminine or being in this embodied other uh, energy is not desired if you want to succeed also in a, let's say, corporate market. Um, do you think it's possible that we can create something new on a collective level or is it only like an individual thing or it's two different games how do you uh, how do you look at this gosh this is a that's a very big and amazing question <laughs> can we if i have you here on the show then i'm going to ask the big questions <laughs> <laughs> i mean basically can we can we i think i think yes and yes are the two answers i think we can find our way within the current structures and systems and i think we also need to develop new ones um so i think the answer is yes and yes i know i look a lot at role models and i see people who fit into the um masculine structure and yet still manage to maintain their soul however <laughs> they are rare and special people and I see more alternative communities creating a space that honors both of these energies together I'm a great I'm greatly fascinated by systems and structures and communities and what it brings out of us I've created a lot of communities myself I've always lived in community since that Osho ashram and um, and what I what I notice is that we thrive in some and and we struggle in others um, a, a great example is really connected to your theme i've had many years in the osho world and the osho world is really good for this sense of i'm i'm perfect just as i am it's it's a an amazing field of 
therapy and workshops that just brings you into loving yourself. Um, and one year I wanted to go do a teach training in a tantric yoga school. And I knew before I went that they have this very different structure that is you're never good enough. It's like built into the foundation of the place. Even their logo was about evolution. You know, I knew it was very masculine run by men. And for many years I didn't go, but I wanted to go and get a taste of the teachings. But, and I thought, right, I'm going in, but I'm not going to succumb to not feeling good enough. I'm, I'm going to, you know, but it happened within, within, three or four weeks of getting these lectures of being told you've got to improve you've got to change you you know I started to feel unhappy with myself as I am and you know but I had the consciousness because I'd expected that and and I thought god the power of a system you're in is phenomenal you know you just if you're bombarded with a message and a structure that's always you know this is a school that that has like hundreds of layers like 20 levels and you've got to constantly do another level it keeps people trapped in the system because you never feel good enough and you've always As if got... there is some point to arrive at right? yeah and you never really get there the gurus at the top and you know <laughs> so it keeps people really motivated um and i had i actually threw a little rebellious party because you know i just thought i just want to have you know, cuddles and love and kind of create a little Osho field where we just happy as we are. And, you know, it was a really big experience for me to go through that and to realize that that's not the structure I want to create or live in. And I think this is, this is what happens when we have like just, just this kind of masculine achieve, achieve, achieve. I don't think we need to throw it out because I've also seen hippie communities where everyone just smokes pot and hangs out all day doing nothing. And I think that's also unhealthy that we need to have a sense of purpose and momentum. Mm. I think we need yang and we need yin. But what I think doesn't work is when there's just one happening or the other, it's, you know, one so extreme or the other. Yeah, absolutely. So how can we create this beautiful dance or balance, um, whether we're phrasing it in masculine and feminine qualities or, as you said, like uh, honoring our desire um, to expand or progress or to, to, to uh, open up more and more, but also being rooted in the, in the, in the truth of that's how we are is already perfect and enough and there is nothing actually to do do you have maybe some thoughts on that and maybe even a practical advice if somebody's listening and like gosh how i'm going to like be here then in this 3d reality yeah good good question uh yeah and if we want to get away from the complication of masculine feminine we could call it self-love and expansion so how do we have both you know, and I think the, the bottom line is we've been taught that expansion has to come from a place of, of, of unrest. You know, it's like, I don't like who I am, so I'm going to keep working. But what I noticed from that model is that the people who tend to do that, they never get there. You know, you hear about millionaires, billionaires who are still not feeling like they have enough money. You, you see people having plastic surgery to the, you know, forever. They're still not happy. So I don't think it works to have any kind of uh, model of expansion that isn't rooted in self-love. So I believe the yin has to come before the yang. Um, the the self-love has to come before the growth. If we're mm. growing from a place of self-hatred or dislike or you know dissatisfaction, then 
we're not going to grow anything worthwhile, you know? So I think that we need to go in before we go out. We need to go down before we go up. Um, and so, you know, that, that means listening into our inner world before we start putting things out into the outer world. How that's done, I mean, I wish it was done on a, on a broad spectrum starting at schools where, you know, we're actually taught to, to validate our own feelings and listen to ourselves, listen to each other. Uh, because schools, as, as we know, most of them are just teaching us about getting grades and getting marks and getting achievement and, and, and so on. So it begins that early. Um, so on an ideological level, it should start there. But <laughs> for most of us listening to this, we've already been through <laughs> that system and we need to start now. And, and so I, I think it's never too late to start with um, with a practice of self-love. You want, you want me to go into detail of what I mean by a practice of self-love? Um, however you like. So if you have something that you would like to share on that. Just because I think, I think when, people, when I first heard the word, the concept self-love, I always thought of it being like um, adoring yourself and taking selfies and being full of yourself, you know. Um, and, and that's not what I've learned along the way that self-love is about. I, I believe self-love is about the capacity to hold space for our own vulnerability. That's what I think is the most loving thing we can do. And so self-love comes from Beautiful. listening deeply at what is hurting inside, what's, what's at unrest, not necessarily needing to conceptualize it or intellectually understand it, but being able to sit with it, being able to breathe with it. Having a meditation practice that isn't an up and out, I mean, that has its place, but a meditation practice that's down and in so that we mm. can really feel what's moving in our inner world and be present with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, this is what I mean by, by self-love, is not running away from or denying our own Beautiful. vulnerability and pain, but showing up for it and... Uh, And, and just parenting it really, you know, <laughs> just like as if a baby was crying in the night, like holding our own pain and giving it love seems mm -hmm. to work wonders. Very beautiful. And I can so much resonate to what you say. Um, one of the most profound moments for me when I felt like I'm rooted in my own self-love or admiration and obviously of everything was when I was capable of holding the space for my suffering instead of numbing or suppressing or our usual mechanisms that we do, we don't like something and it's okay because we are uh, avoiding pain as a survival mechanism, but not having this capacity to allow emotions to come up front and just being seen, as you said, beautifully, being a parent for your own inner child. That's uh, quite a beautiful and very short and sexy definition of self-love and makes it kind of... Um, less flowy but more in a rooted in the practicality which i which i uh, resonate a lot um shashi one thing that also resonated me with me a lot what i like to uh, dive uh, into and you said earlier that your path led you to a first more um uh, buddhist approach to spirituality and the quest of finding uh, yourself or the the truth uh, and i resonate with that because that's exactly what happened with me as well going to selfish asia going to meditation retreats and it was a like a profound experience but sitting there uh, being like you know in 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 this one structure and 
at some points, that's where my desire or my um, curiosity came for Tantra to seeing, okay, there is another way of how I can move and I'm allowed to, to, to use this and not to be, to be in the center. And, and uh, one specific Tantra teacher always like, brought it up, Blandine, which will hopefully be on the show, is comparing, not comparing, but just bringing the awareness between the Buddhist and Tantra paths. Um, for those who associate Tantra with a classical association of sex or orgies or, or something like that, how would you describe what Tantra is or Tao Tantric arts? Because I would assume that most people have associated Tantra with that and never have heard of Tao or the philosophy of Tao. So what is Tao and Tantric <laughs> arts for you? Um, so basically the Taoist lineage is, I see it like a cousin of Tantra, like they all grew in the Himalayas, like classical Tantra from India, Tibetan Tantra in the middle in Tibet, and then Chinese Taoist lineage in China and the Himalayas, all these wisdom being carried through the Himalayas by various teachers. The thing they have in common working consciously with sexual energy and embodiment and, and bringing that into the spiritual path. Um, so, and I love the Taoist lineage. I studied Mantecchia. I lived um, at his school for two years uh, for its precision. It's like engineering for how to work with energy. It's much more precise than anything I found in Tantra. I like literally pull up the energy, sip it here, spin it this way. Um, so I very much work with both. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the, the idea that people have that it is all a big orgy. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would say that it's that, that, that exists. There are people having a big orgy and calling it Tantra, just to, just to say that. There's a lot of people using the word. But if you really look at the spiritual path of Tantra, then what you're finding is somewhere a fusion of those two, which is to bring our orgiastic tendencies or our lusty, desireful, humanity our primal self to bring that into the spotlight of our meditation awareness to literally bring hedonism and meditation together and and to fuse them so instead of you know i go back to when i was a buddhist i was at oxford university and i was a practicing buddhist but i was also a student and i would go to big trance parties at the weekend with lots of friends there were lots of drugs and parties and whatever and then i would go and meditate with all these buddhists and i had two parts of myself that felt very split the hedonist and the buddhist and wow. you know i never wanted my buddhist friends to see that i went off to parties i didn't want my party friends to see that i sat with these buddhists reading buddhist texts <laughs> so i was very split and tantra for me was such a union it's like it has space for us to acknowledge that we have desire, that it's okay to want to make love or feel pleasure or whatever. But when that's cut off from consciousness, and many religions have told us it's not a spiritual thing. So what happens is a lot of people do get, get drunk or, you know, get out of it to have sex. And I certainly did when I was 17, I was always drunk. I was very unconscious of my sexuality or the lights are out or, you know, it's like we push it all into the shadowy realm and then we sit being all pious and religious somewhere else. It's so split. And how can we be authentic when we're doing that? You know, we can't. Um, and, you know, I think liberation is not about like becoming enlightened and, and good. It's about becoming authentic. And then we're just completely transparent. There's nothing left to hide. And that's what I find Tantra offers us is everything's welcome here your emotions your sexuality your desire you don't just play it out like you do in hedonism though you don't just go i want this and this and just consume it 
you meditate upon it. You, you meditate upon your desire and you watch the energy that's there and you become conscious with it. You become conscious in the act of lovemaking. You become conscious before the act. You become conscious when you're just turned on by someone. So instead of being controlled by your desire, you start to become conscious with it. And then you can choose if you follow it or if you just observe it or if you want to just draw the energy up and not jump into lovemaking. You just, you have the capacity to bring your consciousness and your humanity together. Mm, beautifully put. And why do you think, is it that on an individual, but obviously on the collective level, we have this split and this um, deep fear of bringing sexuality more to the, to the table. And even like, I notice it with myself, like even though working with that, like it's a trigger, it's, it's a, a mirror of many triggers and all those things. But how, how did we end up here that sexuality is so split from our everyday activity? And there's like one quote that fascinated me a lot and I resonated uh, very deeply. Um, was that if you study the minds and you don't, you have to study sex because they're inseparable. Like it's both <laughs> intertwined. And yet, still, we see so many um, approaches merely studying just the cognitive aspect or only this and not including sexuality to personal or spiritual growth. So, what, where, what, what happened here and uh, what <laughs> can we do? I love that you say that because, you know, I mentioned I went to Oxford. I studied psychology, that was my background. <laughs> So I'm having a little. So deal. you know, <laughs> I've been the intellectual psychologist. Yeah, and it and it missed out on that. But um, yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand this. It doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not just you know. Some people say, "Oh, the system's just trying to control us and block us from our power." Um, you know, maybe. But there, I th I think it's important to try and understand that you know, people are coming from a good place and maybe our parents and religions tried to warn us uh, that sexuality is a, is a dangerous thing. And I think they're not trying to repress us. They're genuinely trying to protect us, right? They're, they're genuinely afraid that we'll get ourselves into trouble. And um, I really observe the struggle for, you know, like I have a sister with two young daughters, you know, how to handle this topic of sexuality, whether to try and keep them really safe, tell them sex is a scary thing, don't go there. You know, I get it. It's, it's, very, it's a very mixed bag. And I think basically the bottom line is sex can be the most dangerous and harmful thing and it can be the most beautiful and healing thing. That is the, the issue that we're dealing with. And uh, something I've looked, worked with a little bit of my time has been working with rapists. I started working with women who were raped, ended up working with uh, men who had been rapists. And, and it so fascinates me that this sexual energy, if it is cut off from the heart and from consciousness and it's, you know, bottled up down in the hips and, and it can become a time bomb, it can become a weapon, you know, a man's lingam can be a sword that rapes and it can also be a wand of light that opens a woman to the most glorious sense of love and connection with the universe. It's the same thing. So what is the difference between the rape and the ravishment? That's an important question. You know, what is so what the is difference it? between sex, sexual desire that's going to destroy us and that's going to enlighten us? Well, I think, I think the answer in short is interconnectedness, kind of like I was saying earlier about Buddhism and Tantra. If our heart and our consciousness and our sex are in communication with each other and in 
alignment, they stop being so dangerous. Um, and, you know, actually, I have a big passion to go into prisons one day and work with sex offenders using some of the Taoist practices. There are practices um, that I've worked with a small section of the population with where you simply like start sending love and light and like consciousness into the sex center and start listening to the energy and the sensations that are there. No one teaches us to do this. And if, if men, you know, who become sex offenders, if they're raised being told that there's something evil and wrong with their sexual energy, they feel that it's harmful, but it's still very strong. They have nowhere to put it. And it comes out in very dark, shadowy and harmful ways. There is a lot of harm in sexuality. It's the darkest area, I think, in our society. And yet... You know, that's not a good reason to ignore it. It's all the more reason to go in there and to start using methods that allow us to bring, shine the light of consciousness all the way down. So I see what our society does. It goes, oh, that's dark and dangerous. We'll control it, put it down, you know, be a good citizen and, and you know, get married and have two kids and da, da, da. But it doesn't work. We know there's a huge sexual shadow. We know people are going off to dungeons and nightclubs and expressing out their kinks in a way that they don't feel they can tell people their affairs going on. There's so much that is shadowy. And what I mean by shadow is not a judgment. I mean, it's cut off from here's my light self, here I am at work, you know, and here I am at the weekend. <laughs> so we, we literally are cutting ourselves up. And I, I have seen over and over again, like I said, even working with men that have a history of being rapists, that when they start to do practices that align this sexual energy back with the heart and forgive themselves and feel the innocence of life force energy and take off the layers of guilt and shame. When we do this kind of healing, it stops being a harmful energy and it starts being the most phenomenal energy of, of life force and of transformation. But we do need to do something with it. We do, we can't just take the lid off it and let it be free. Like I said, that's hedonism. And if we just, if we just do that, there's not enough connection with the heart and the consciousness to make it safe for everyone. So you, you could just throw big orgies, but most people have got too many shadows and they would be greedy and they'd be abusing each other and there'd be harm. And then everyone would go, see, we told you that sex wasn't a good thing. So we do need to have healing and consciousness and, and practices where we can do this step by step. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. And I found it really, really fascinating that, um, yeah, your background and your ambition also to bring Tantra and this uh, conscious work with sexuality or sexual energy to across the globe in all different areas. And um, I think it would make such a, as you said, like such a big difference if we would learn it from the beginning on how to work with that and use it as a source of power and empowerment basically and not uh, something which controls us and i just imagine like how much of a difference it would be if i would have learned this in school and um yeah i have also like a very strong uh, inspiration to bring it to the corporate market at some point because i think like we're all doing this leadership development and again completely here nothing actually working with our body um i would really love to know um what do you think is the bigger biggest um maybe not difference, but um, challenge or struggle if it comes to um, just the way how we are used to work with the sexual energy to suppress it. So you said with men, it's having this disconnect. What is it for women, like or, or uh, peeps in a female body? Is there a different um, observation that you have? Yeah. 
well, yes, I was, as you were speaking, I was thinking, oh, I should mention, you know, also <laughs> we tend to, if we look at like rape, which is maybe the darkest shadow or one of the darkest, we have rape and then we have victim and we tend to just see this is the problem. But of course, you know, like we're not teaching um, women or more receptive people sexually, because it can also be receptive men. We're not teaching them how to be empowered. And so it's, it's just the same. If we're not empowered in our sexuality, um, we, we also give up our responsibility and, um, you know, we need, we need consciousness, whether we're, um, more active or more receptive in the sexual act. And <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, I think this is something we need to work with, uh, across the board, you know, that, that all of us can benefit from aligning sex back with our consciousness and with the open heart as the bridge between them. It's, it's so important. I, I mean, I generally see when in some places in society, you can see this split so strongly that between sex and love, you know, where people will go on Tinder and just have sex with a stranger um, with, you know, no emotional connection and then pour all their love into their little puppy dog or, you know, like in a, in a safe space. But the, the only way we're going to feel whole is when we can be whole and when we can bring all of us to a meeting. And I think that's what's so beautiful in, in our intimate connections is, you know, that we want to be able to bring our primal, our energy, our desire and our heart, our love, our emotions and our consciousness, our thoughts, you know, like the whole of, of, of ourselves. That's what becomes rewarding as a human being to feel, to feel like you can be all of you. Mm. Do you have um, a practical tip that somebody can implement right away when somebody's listening and feels, yeah, that's me. I do not feel empowered to my sexuality but i want to like i'm willing to jump into but where do i start so somebody who is completely new but feel a strong desire is this one simple thing that the person can do gosh i mean you know come and do five weeks with me but if you want one simple thing um <laughs> then then i think using breath which is like qigong working with the energy to connect the heart the sex you can't really see my hand down here but it's touching my my womb and consciousness so there's qigong um we can do where you take a moment i'll just describe it rather than guide it through but take a moment to feel your heart and whatever is in your heart and take a moment to connect to the love that you have within you however you feel that and when you feel that love you just inhale in your heart and exhale and send your hands and your breath and your energy down to this body and to mother earth as well like the big body it's all connected so you exhale down and then as you inhale feel that you bring the vitality up when you look at mother nature she's full of vitality she's bursting into life and our sex is that energy of mother earth you know it's that sexual energy is like the seed that wants to rise up and expand we're all taught to contract and go <gasps> ah! and then orgasm and get rid of it but actually if you expand and let that orgasmic energy flow up through your body then you get the the full benefit of of this incredible energy so you can exhale send love down to your sex and then inhale and feel the sexual desire and energy let it expand your heart and your chest and then send love down 
And just keep breathing between the two, sending love and gratitude down to this body that gives you this human experience, like really feeling grateful for it. Even if you might feel like, oh, it's the cellulite and there's this and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like for a moment, just look at the miracle of it. You know, just look down and realize, wow, I have this human experience. I can, I can know the taste of a strawberry. I can know the feel of velvet because I have this body. And just, you know, get it right down to this level where you can be grateful for this body and, and build a connection between the heart and the sex. And then after that, you can do the same with the heart and consciousness. She's putting her, her hands on the top of the head for those sorts of things. Oh, yes, music. you're right. I'm looking at the video thinking, and for some people are listening. Go, go <laughs> so ahead, love. If you're listening to audio, I've got my hands on my heart. I inhale and feel all the love, and then I exhale, and I send my hands up, and I send that love up to, to Father Sky, to God, to the sun, whatever you like. Let's say the sun is an easy one, like the light that guides us and, and our, our highest potential. And then you can inhale and feel that light pouring down into your heart and blessing you. So there's an exchange between your heart and consciousness. Um, and just breathing in this way, you can put all of them together where you inhale in your heart, exhale, send love to your sex, inhale, feel the vitality in your heart, exhale, offer that vitality to the sun, inhale the light in your heart, send that light down to your body and just keep connecting sex, love and spirit or consciousness. Keep connecting them using your breath, using energy. If you're not used to working with energy, just imagine it flowing and after a little while you start to feel it and doing that is enough if you did that every day for five minutes as your morning practice you would start to feel a shift happening in your life you'd start to feel bigger connections in in daily life but also in your love making where your sexual energy it knows how to rise into your heart and, and into your mind into your higher centers so it's really just about opening up the channels of connection um, and and dissolving away the separation that society told us is there because it, it's not beautiful thank you so much for this fantastic uh, advice uh, um, absolutely fascinating and as she uh, beautifully said if you want to dive deeper into her work uh, then you will find all the links in the description so to get a taste of shashi in real life and to dive into these practices beyond uh, just getting inspired by a podcast episode and um your work has shifted also a bit more into the couples uh, arena as, as far as I followed you so far. So been, been, um, going full on and still working very intensely with women, but you started um, to go more into the couples area as well. What, what, what magic is there? Like why, why, um, why do you enjoy working with couples? Where do you see the importance and what's the juice there? That for me was more about moving from, I've taught a men and women tantra for, for years, but mostly, and a lot of tantra festivals, and mostly there's a lot of individuals. And over the years I've seen as a scene has sort of like merged itself with polyamory and people having multiple partners. There are some events I've been to where people are more interested in how many partners they can get than in learning any kind of meditation or practice. And I also could see that some of the more harmful um, aspects in the Tantra world were coming from this, things like gurus trying to sleep with their students or a lack of commitment of, uh, I don't think that having a committed relationship is the only way, but it reached the point in the Tantra world where 
you know, it, it was impossible to be in a committed relationship because all the workshop structures are like change partner all the time. And I saw perfectly wonderful couples getting challenged and not being able to find a space in Tantra. So the reason I moved into focusing on couples was more that it was like an ethical choice for myself as a Tantra teacher. I was just questioning where is the field going as, as a, as a body, this world of Tantra, if we're only highlighting, uh, changing partners all the time, you know, and it's, it's fine to have a period or periods in your life of that. Of course, I've, I've had them that, that can be amazing. You can learn a lot, but it's like we, the field kind of dropped, um, being in a committed relationship. There was no space for that. So I made a decision, I don't know, four or five years ago, like, actually I'm going to focus on couples now, um, as a facilitator, because I want people who do want to be in a couple to be able to access Tantra and I also felt like it would clear up some of the really the, the shadows that had got into the Tantra world as well also a lot of men giving yoni massage who were then you know trying to move into sexual interactions so this is where there was a shadow appearing and I didn't want to be in that field and yet I wanted to still be teaching Tantra so I thought right I'm going to teach couples and then there's no room for any of those <laughs> distortions Happy and it's, it's not like I'm judging or condemning uh individuals Tantra I think it's fantastic and it has its place I just thought this is what I want to do and the joy of that um well partly weirdly I made this decision and then you know my own relationship um, I, I fell into the most amazing relationship of my life. So that, that just kind of corresponded. I was, I'd made the choice anyway, professionally, but, um, uh, you know, I, what I noticed working with couples is there's a very different attitude. There's a commitment to love that's very, very deep and, and a commitment that's often bigger than the triggers that come up. So I see couples who, are able to really work through things. They're not just going to like move on somewhere else. And also many couples just become lazy and complacent around both sex and love. They just think it'll happen automatically and it just becomes quite dull. And then there's no radiance and life force coming into their lives. And a lot of these couples have got children and there's no juice there for them. And so I love to see couples come alive again because then they're, they should be falling in love every day. They should be making love often. They should be enjoying, you know, being in relating. And then they start radiating out love and life force to everybody in their lives. So I see a lot of like long-term benefits and far-reaching benefits from working with couples because then they go home and they become this anchor of tantric love that radiates out and, and benefits many, many other people. So I, I love that. It's very rewarding. Beautiful. Thank you so much for doing this work. And, and sh first of all, also like sharing so openly, like I love that you're very, very like, you know, open and so cool about it, sharing also some dark sides of uh, Tanto communities. And yeah, this is like sometimes that we get noticed, but nobody really uh, dares to speak about it because there's kind of this danger putting the whole um, spectrum of into a, a corner that you don't want and I, you're just very casual and I, I just want to appreciate and honor that because it's 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 what's happening and it's it's life and just being aware of that it's fine and I think, um, I think it needs to be named and I, I personally I, I wouldn't be able to teach something 
without so i just made a tantric tv channel called livetantra.com and i've put videos on there about this topic because you know i and i'm not trying to out anyone i don't think that that's the way forward to try and name names you know this person's bad and whatever i think it's more important to empower people and say you don't need to sleep with the guru you don't have to like have sex with someone who's giving you a massage you know like empower people to make conscious choices and not to step into this world too too vulnerably in a way um that they later regret what they did uh, of course if you want to sleep with a guru you can but be conscious to make sure you know what you're doing and and you know that you don't you don't you're not going to get any kind of enlightenment out of it you know it's just another man using another trick uh to get you into bed it's no different from the guy with the ferrari mm. it's just you know he's a guru or whatever <laughs> absolutely absolutely um in in like i love what you do i love like the energy you're bringing across and i have like tons and tons of questions and i think uh, that would never stop what i would be like a, a, a like a fire within me would like to ask um and we had dara on the show as well and you know dara because she was in this uh, in the as a facilitator at the life tantra um they're making and she on her episode says there is this whole um she even called the C words, the commitment word, which is everyone afraid to say, uh, to say out loud. And I notice it also like a part also from the, the sex positive communities and tantra communities that it's kind of a thing also maybe with our new generation that there is a lot of fear of committing no matter if it's a professional path, no matter if it's a relationship. And it's not about an evaluation of what is right and wrong, but generally like making this decision that like going all in, what do you think is blocking us? Is it, was it always like this? Is it different? And um, specifically, if you're observing these couples who are committed to love, what is there? Like, what's, what difference um, do they bring to the table? Yeah, it's, I mean, gosh, we could talk forever, couldn't we, about this? But I think in the past, you know, commitment was partially involuntary. You know, like when we, I don't know, we look a few generations back, our great grandparents had to get married and they were dependent on men and blah, blah, blah. You know, like we see quite an unhealthy form of, although sometimes it works really well, arranged marriages or whatever. Um, and of course we're evolving, especially the, the feminine side of the equation. Like, okay, we're self-sufficient, we, we can vote, we've got jobs, you know, why would we want that kind of commitment? So for sure that there is commitment that comes out of, having to and there's commitment that comes out of fear you know i'm afraid of being alone i better commit to someone so there are not all commitment is the same thing not mm. at all there is like unchosen commitment or like forced commitment because you feel you have no other choice it's never going to be a great thing is it but there's also conscious commitment or i don't want to overuse that word you know like conscious commitment but i mean you can choose it consciously that's what i mean i mean you can choose commitment and that's so different from feeling you have no choice and and what i noticed with commitment is the the shifts from the way i was raised with it is i for myself was raised with the idea you commit to a person and you say to that person i'm gonna love you forever and ever and i'm always gonna feel like this and you know that's very complicated because how do we we know that our parents don't feel the same way they felt on their wedding day um so we feel it's a big lie and we're waking up from that lie but i think what we're what what we can do is commit to something bigger than another person which is to commit to love itself and two people who choose to commit to love that's very different it's not it's not a, a fairy tale you're committing to 
it may not even be forever, but you're saying, let's do this journey together and let's fully show up for it. Whether this journey takes us a year or a lifetime, we want to do this journey together. And this journey is to let love be bigger than our small self, bigger than getting triggered, bigger than projections, you know, all that messy stuff that comes up. We need something bigger than that if we're going to heal it. So what if we commit to love? What if when we're really triggered and we really hate each other in those moments, we're like, we say, fuck, I'm, I choose love, even though I don't feel like it. Like, what if we have something bigger than our old habits and patterns that keep us small? And that's incredible and to do that with another human being. Then that's not a commitment that you have to give anything up for. You're committing to your highest growth, your partner's highest growth, and to loving each other's small self, you know, <laughs> when we do get triggered and in ourselves as well. And so you, you just have a container that you've created that allows for the most phenomenal experience we can have in life. Um, you know, I think we can have an amazing experience of growth on our own or with communities, but there's something phenomenal about one other person showing up fully uh, in this way. It's, it's phenomenal. And I, you know, I think when it comes to like finding our soulmate and our perfect partner, we, it's not about a whole list of things they need. Really the only quality you need is to choose fully. If two people go, come on, let's choose love fully then bingo you got it just go for it like have that journey you know just uh just just go for it it's going to be a tremendous journey however long it lasts wow i had only one uh thought coming up when you're speaking like fuck that's powerful like i'm, I'm uh, looking forward to re-watching re-hearing it again and thank you for sharing this so much i I, honestly, again, an invitation for everyone, follow this woman, uh, gets, uh, if you want to work on that, go uh, engage with her because there is, um, like, honestly, one of the most inspiring and fascinating human beings I have met on my entire path and definitely. Mm -hmm. So I hope more people just can get to know you, your work and uh, open up to the topic of sexuality. And as I said, I would love to talk to you more, but Shashi is a very beautiful light uh, being and a couple's retreat coming up also this weekend um, so i call it a day and i call it a session and call it a last question and uh, i love this question and the death reflections because death is part of life and life is part of that it's the other side of the coin so if you know you would die next week sashi what would be one message that you would really love to leave behind for your beloved brothers and sisters across the globe. What would be one message for humanity? My one message would be that I would love everyone to know that the most fulfilling thing you can do is learn to hold space for vulnerability, starting with your own vulnerability and then extending to the vulnerability of others, holding a safe, conscious, loving space for that. It's going to bring you, everything that you ever wanted so that would be my my one message that i'd want to get across thank you so much uh, thank you for this wisdom nuggets thank you for your time and energy and if if you're the lucky one who's watching this podcast episodes uh, and if you're not do it again because you have such a radiant way of moving when you talk and i just love it and enjoyed <laughs> it so much and felt you so closely once again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to be here, to, to uh, contributing to the show, to opening up your heart so the hearts of many more others can be opened up. And everyone who is listening, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And again, warm invitation, check this 
fantastic women leader out and what she's up to. Um, thank you for being on the show, really. Thank you for holding this space. What a wonderful concept you have. And thank you for helping all these people remember that they are enough just as they are. Beautiful. Yes, peeps, that's you. You are enough. Have this in mind. I wish you all a wonderful day. Talk to you soon. And aho. Oh.